Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. But Nehemiah's motives were pure towards his people. Friends, Jesus Christ, he could have taken everything away from us for being sinners because that's the normal practice. That's the way things are. That's how it's done against people who break laws. But Jesus has pure motives towards his people. John 3, 17 For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He could have, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you see all the things that Jesus could have done, but didn't? Because we could not buy our way out. So I want us to understand that when Jesus came here to save us, he left all the luxury of royalty. He left his throne. He left all of what his title gave him the right to have. You know, friends, I'll tell you, no royal king should ever have to be nailed and hung on a cross. No king should ever have to go through that. Kings are entitled to better than that. Entitled, real entitlement. But Jesus died for you, and he died for me. This means that Jesus put you above himself. Now, I know that's, that's a real brain twister because we think there is no one higher than Jesus, and there's not. But when he died on the cross for you, he put you above himself. Did you know that? If you want to live like Jesus and you want to show the foreigners out there who your God is, remember, Nehemiah was mad because the people were blocking the image of who God was. He said, I need you to show people that God can save. You're not showing people that. You need to show them we have a saving God who can provide. So if you want to live like Jesus and show people that, then we have to set aside our own sense of entitlement, and we have to obey Philippians 2.3. says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Everybody in the room just became better than you. Everybody in the room is better than you. Everybody out there is above you. That guy out there, that stereotypical guy or gal out there that you don't like, they're not as ambitious as you are. They're not as successful as you are. They got a filthy mouth. Oh, those low people. Uh Uh-uh. You treat them better than yourself. If Jesus could die, For a mess of people like us, we can give ourselves up for them, for people out there too. Everyone is better than you now. It's hard, isn't it? Tough pill to swallow. Because you want to take your position. Well, I'm not like you. 
you out there. I I, I worked for my living. I I got this title because and I, I'm I'm not like you. And we look down on others. If you want to show them the Lord God and show them that we have a serve a God that saves and we serve a God that loves, we have to treat others better than the, better than ourselves. They are higher than us because Jesus did that for us. Nehemiah did this for the people. Now I want you to remember all the Jews that Nehemiah invited to dine at his table. He had nobles. He had for everybody. He had Jews and nobles. Everybody from the bottom to the top. Everybody. They came to dine at his table. He wanted to express his love to them by sharing the provisions that he had as their governor. He's going to share with you the generosity that he had. Friends, Jesus wants to express his love to you by sharing the provisions he has to, for us as our king. Nehemiah, as your governor, I want to share with you what I have for you. Jesus says, as your king, I want to share with you what I have. Revelation 19, 9. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is going to be such a good dinner. There's going to be brisket that's better than anything I've ever produced off my pit. There will be no watermelon. But it's going to be some good eating, I'm telling you. If you faithfully believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you've been invited to dine at this table. His table, he's invited you. I'm your king. I want to share with you what I have. Dining together it means friendship. And Jesus set us above himself to die in our place. If Jesus did not set you above himself, he would have never died for you. He would have said, I'm the king. That's your mess. You fix it. I'm not getting my hands dirty for you. And he would have exacted usury off of us, and we would have never been able to pay it back. But Jesus did not demand his rights as a king. Nehemiah did not demand his rights as a governor. The nobles did. They demanded their rights. That's why he said, you're wrong. You're in violation. Jesus did not demand his rights as a king. But Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The cross was the most publicly humiliating way to die. And it wasn't just shame on you, it was shame on your whole family and everybody that knew you. This was, it, it was far-reaching. That's why Mary had to go live with one of the disciples, because she was going to be shamed for the rest of her life and culture for her son dying on a cross. So Jesus set her up, hey, you need to take care of her, but she's, she's going to be shamed. It was bad. It was dirty work that a king should have never had to have done. Friends, can you see what Jesus could have done versus what Jesus did do? You let that sink in for a minute. It'll really work on you, man. It's good. And this generates quite a sense of thankfulness in me. I'm really glad that the nobles finally understood what they did wrong, though. They finally got it. Because they agreed to restore what they'd stolen from other people. We'll give it back. But when the nobles were called to the assembly, what if they said, no, we're not coming? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll restore back. Let's get out of here. No, come to assembly. Well, we're not coming. I said I'd do it. I don't have to come to no assembly. Can you imagine if they said that? If they had said that, they would have continued to violate God's law. They wouldn't have been held accountable. They would have continued 
hurting people. So the assembly was necessary. It was mandatory because they had to stop hurting other people. Friends, I want to show you something. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. We have to meet together. We're here in the assembly of the body of Christ. It is mandatory. The people that say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, I'm sorry, that's a lie. Then they say, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I'm sorry, that's a lie, because if you're saved, you'll want to come. If you're truly saved, you'll want to do what God says. Don't play this legalistic, now I don't have to come. Again, what if the nobles said, okay, yeah, we'll do it, but we don't have to come. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Most people today, they refuse to assemble in the body of Christ. They don't want to go to church, and the main reason is because they don't find God worth obeying. The people that don't attend, if you was to, come, if you was to ask them, what if God commanded you to go to church, would you do it? You know, those, oh, yes, I would. Did you know he already did? First off, they don't find God worth obeying, but one of the main ones is they don't like the accountability. They don't like the accountability that comes with being in an, in an assembly. And those who refuse to be accountable are the ones that will continue to do damage to themselves and others. They're the ones that want to sin. I want to live life my way. I don't want anybody telling me what I'm supposed to do. So Nehemiah said, I want you to restore it back. Okay, we'll be at the assembly. No, I'm not coming to the assembly. I don't like nobody telling me what I got to do. I'm sorry, you're hurting people. Your sin is hurting people, including yourself. You need to get in this assembly. You need to be made accountable so that we'll stop. You need to get right with the Lord God. So when people refuse to obey God, it's because they want to continue in their own selfish ideas, and that comes at the cost of others because it hurts other people. Matthew 12 says we're all going to be brought before God to give an account of ourselves, so you can't escape it anyway. You're going to have a day of accountability anyhow. Might as well get right before the Lord God today. My point here is that in this story, we can see how beneficial it was for the nobles and the leaders to be brought before the assembly because their accountability was necessary for the survival of others. Friends, your survival in this world with trial and difficulties, your survival in this world is necessary in the assembly of the body of Christ. Those of you hearing me on the radio, if you're not in a church, get in one fast. I don't know how you made it this far. You're probably thinking, I don't know how to make it any further. You better get in the body of Christ in a Bible-believing, Jesus-believing church and watch what it does to your life. I don't want to be accountable. It's healthy. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for others. Being in the body of Christ is necessary because outside of the body of Christ, you make yourself susceptible to the scams of the world which are designed to make you a slave. You ever notice that everything you see going on in the world is designed to enslave you some kind of way? You either have to think their way or you have to pay them something they always take it out of you, and you find yourself selling off little pieces of your life slowly, more all the time. Jesus gave your life back to you to restore back to you. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, the Jews were not showing the outside people who their God was. We have to prove that God is really who we say he is. And you can't do it by living like the world. You have to do it the way God commands. There's a lot of things in the Bible that people don't like. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, God commanded it. I don't know how you want to argue about it. God said it. Take it up with him. Don't jump jump on me. (laughs) You'd be amazed the emails I get or the comments. I don't like what you said about that thing. Well, it's in the Bible. Don't conform to the world. Conform to the Lord. Be in his church that he has commanded us to assemble with. It's healthy. It's like the nobles. It'll help keep you from acting like the world. It'll help keep you from falling into slavery. There's been a number of times somebody in the church came to me. Yes, the pastor, me, and said, Ray, what you're doing is not right. You might ought to stop that. I said, okay, thank you, because I, I understand accountability in the body. I'm not, a, I'm not exempt. I'm in it with you. So they were, the nobles were putting people in slavery. They were putting them in bondage when they had been bought out. Nehemiah said, we bought them back. They don't belong to you. Nehemiah said, they're not yours to use. They're to be free. Christian, let me tell you something. Jesus bought you out not so that you can sell yourself back off into slavery. The world doesn't own you. Jesus owns you. Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You're not supposed to be slaves to that anymore. Friends, I can see Nehemiah as being a picture of Jesus to us. Nehemiah saw his people being enslaved when they had already been set free. So if Jesus has freed us from sin, then why do so many of his people allow themselves to become enslaved by sin again? Jesus bought you out. You don't belong to that sin. It can't manipulate you. If you have been bought, By the blood of Jesus, then no one has the right to enslave you. You are to be free. And the people who take this grace and abuse it, it's the people that are like, thanks God for the salvation, but I'm going to go and live all however I want to do. They have no idea that they are putting themselves right back into slavery after Jesus already paid to buy them out of it. This allows themselves to be the victims of spiritual usury. It is spiritual usury. And guys, spiritual usury has a very high interest rate to it. It will cost you more and more all the time. And you will end up selling off pieces of your life away to this interest if you put yourself under spiritual usury. This sin angers the Lord. Because who else has the right to try to own what the Lord has bought for himself? How many people today would have tried to use the full governor's benefits for their own benefit, would have said, hey, I don't have to do that kind of low work? I've seen people in ministry say, I don't have to scrub toilets. They're in the church, you got to do it. I'm the pastor, I don't have to do that. I've seen it, guys, I've seen it. They would have taken up the full governor's benefits for their, uh, their benefit. I shouldn't have to do that kind of work. I'm entitled to my allotment. Y'all work, not me. That irritating attitude of entitlement, the feeling that someone is above everyone else, and so they implement usury on other people so that they can be accommodated. 
I don't have to scrub toilets. Y'all go do it. I'm putting usury on you. But that's the normal practice of the day, isn't it? That's the way the world usually functions. I'm above you, so you have to do everything. I don't have to do anything. Christians are not to live according to today's normal practices. We're not supposed to do that because we're supposed to show people who Jesus is. We're supposed to put others above us. Even if you're the CEO of a corporation and there's the janitor, if you're the CEO, that janitor is above you. That's the way Christian life is to be. Jesus did not consider us too low end to come do our work of salvation. So likewise, we should be more intent on serving others rather than pushing usury on them to work for us. Now, Nehemiah could have loaned money. He could have taken their land if they couldn't pay it back, because that was a normal practice. Nehemiah could have chosen not to get his hands dirty, but his motives were pure towards the people to help save them from their slavery. And that should be our attitude towards others as well, not to use them for our sense of entitlement, but be like Jesus whose motives are pure. Jesus did not save us to watch us go back into slavery dead again, like Nehemiah's people. We are to be free. We are to be free, and we should desire others to be free. So don't sell pieces of your life away to appease those that want to make slaves out of you for their benefit. In the body of Christ, we are to help each other prosper. We are to help each other be encouraged. Brother helping brother, not using each other. And I have seen that happen in the church too. I've seen usury happen in a church. And as soon as I found out, I stuck myself right in the middle of it to undo it. Hold them accountable. It doesn't have to be messy. It can be healthy. It can be good. Sometimes people don't realize they're doing it. But don't allow yourself to be anyone's target of usury. The world did not buy you. Jesus bought you. You don't owe the world anything, but you owe Jesus everything. We need to show people God's reputation, that he saves people. Don't keep people from seeing that God is able to save and prosper his own people by using other people for your benefit. Being in the body of Christ will keep you accountable. It'll also help you to know your identity and know the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Thank you, Lord God, for saving us out of that. You know, I want you to remember how the noble said, we'll restore it back. We'll restore it back. So I want to ask you a question. Is there someone in your life that you have not forgiven? Is there someone in your life that you have a grudge or a pain against and you have not let it go? You've not forgiven them for it. If there is, don't push that usury on them. It is wrong. It is not good. I want you to remember how the noble said, we'll restore it. We'll make it right. Friends, if Jesus could forgive and free you, then can we not also forgive others who have wronged us and free them? and not live with usury. I know that's a big one today. There is unforgiveness all over the world, even in the, even in the church. Somebody hurt you, and you haven't let it go because you want them to pay for what they did to you. You want them to pay. You wrote out your interest rate, and by God, they're going to pay every bit of it back to you for what they did to you. That is spiritual usury. We can't do that. Nehemiah said, I need you all to let that go. What you're doing is wrong. It angers the Lord. It's against the law. 
need you to let it go. And they said, okay, we'll restore it. Friends, I'm asking you the same thing. I would like to call this church to accountability for all of us to forgive and release the high interest rate debts that we have put on other people so that we can get right before God. That is a hard one. I'm going to let you all have a moment to think about who these people are, what they've done. I'm thinking about my own, okay? I'm, I'm in it with you. Together in the body of Christ, let it go. It is wrong. We need to be like the nobles and say, you're right, we will restore it. Stop this usury. It's not just hurting them. It's hurting you. Nehemiah said, remember me for good according to what I've done. Friend, let's do God's goodness for his people because they're already under enough burdens they can't afford to pay. They can't pay you back for the wrong they did, but this way you let them go. Jesus forgave us. We can't pay him back. He did not exact us pay him back. Even if he didn't charge interest, we couldn't pay it back. Likewise, we can do the same. No more usury. Restore it so that we can be remembered for our godly service. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. Lord, your word, oh, this one, I first didn't know what to do with it, but Lord, I pray that I have effectively conveyed it to the people today, that we now know what to do with this one. Lord, I have exacted usury on people that you bought that didn't belong to me. Like the nobles, they were taking advantage of people that couldn't pay like they belonged to them. Lord, the people that I did not forgive, they they didn't belong to me. They weren't under me. You bought them. Lord, even the people out there in the world that are unsaved, you bought them too. Lord, we can't look down on them anymore. Anybody that's ever wronged us, anybody that's ever used us, anybody that's still using us, we cannot try to exact usury on them and give them a high payment for what they've done. Lord, we got to let it go. Lord, I pray everyone in the room, everyone who hears me will, will say what the noble said and said, we will restore, we will do this. So, Lord, leading the congregation here, called into accountability together, Lord, I pray that we let it go. We stop exacting from people some sort of payment. We also stop letting the world take pieces of our lives away that we sell ourselves off like the people that mortgage their vineyards and mortgage their land and mortgage their homes. Lord, we're mortgaging pieces of ourselves away and the world doesn't own us. You bought us. If we're yours, we give all of our life to you, not to the world. If you forgave us, we forgive others. So, Father, we, we, we forgive. Across the room, we forgive. Thank you, Lord God, for Nehemiah 5. I pray that anybody that heard this, they crack their Bible open later today and reread through it and get this information out of it so that we can get right before you, Lord God. We do not want to provoke your anger. We want to work in harmony together. The morale to come up to encourage one another and find out how healthy it is to be in here together. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've brought here. Thank you for all those that you've brought to listen to Set for Life Radio at this recording. We just thank you, Lord, that you're doing your work. Now, I've done my part, Lord God. I said what I could say the best of my ability. Lord, you digest the rest of it down in the Holy Spirit understanding that you have given your people. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.